Well, good morning. Hey, welcome. Man, that was the best good morning I, we may have ever had. That was awesome. First service, you are just, I love you. That was great. Uh, sorry, it also surprised me, as you could tell. Um, I, I am honored to get to be here. If I've never met you, my name's Jeffrey, and uh, I'm excited about where the Lord is going to take us this morning. We're finishing up our Like a Good Neighbor series. Um, online campus, we're so glad that you're a part of us. Uh, I want to just ask a favor. If you will, drop us a location and tell us where you're watching from. Maybe not your address. That's probably not the best idea. But just like city and state is good enough. It's, it's always fun for us to go back and see where everyone is jumping onto our online campus. Because like physical campus, we have people every single week watch from all over the world and are a part of our church through technology. It's, it's really awesome. The online campus is powerful. So... Uh, from the very beginning of this series, so two weeks ago when we kicked off Like a Good Neighbor, I knew exactly where I wanted us to land. I knew how we wanted to end this series. And so I'm gonna start it by telling you a story. So when my wife and I first got married, we just got to 16 years of being married. When we first got married, we were living way out in the boondocks. So like way off Highway 36, we were going to school at Hardin-Simmons. It was like a 40 minute drive to school, which is a bad plan when you have 8 a.m.s. And so we were living way, way out in the country. And, and this was before I had kids, so I could still sleep. And so I would sleep at night, and it was great. It was awesome. I loved it. And I would sleep hard, once again, pre-kids. And so in the middle of the night one night, I am in that just great, I don't have children sleep, and I hear this scream. And it's like a like a real scream. You know, there's some screams you're like, ah, it's not a very big deal. And then there are other screams that immediately you go from, I am dead asleep to I am all the way awake and something is going down. So I jump out of bed. I'm gonna go rescue my wife. It was her screaming. I guess I should have said that part, but that would be weird if somebody else. But Sarah screams and I jump out of bed. I'm gonna go rescue her. I mean, it is like the knight in shining armor. She's the damsel in distress. I'm gonna go save her from whatever intruder is coming after her, whatever animal's attacking her. So I jump out of bed and then I immediately figure out something. That I'd fallen asleep with my right leg off the bed. So when I jumped out of bed ready to go rescue my wife, one leg hit the ground and the other leg was just like a wet noodle. And I crumbled to the ground. And then I start to go towards the scream, and, and it is like country dark. So if you've never lived out in the country, if you're city folk, we don't know dark. Okay, we always have like, there's a street light or a car passing, or there's lights always around us. Country dark is like real dark. Like you can't see anything kind of dark. And so I jumped out of bed, wet noodle of a leg. I start to drag my leg and I don't have my glasses on so I can't see anything. And so, I mean, it is a sad sight. If you could have seen me, it was like just pulling this one bum leg with me as I run to rescue my wife. And then all of a sudden I violently find the couch. I hit it as fast as a one-legged person with a wet noodle can hit it. And I hit it and I fall over the top of the couch. I mean, this is like, like stuff they do in movies. I hit the couch, I fall over and I smash into the coffee table. Things are going poorly. This whole time, mind you, Sarah is screaming in the background. And so I just now get myself all put back together. My legs starting to come back awake. I go towards the scream and I finally, I see Sarah. There was no intruder. I mean, I was expecting a person with a gun, maybe a giant rattlesnake. Just Sarah kneeling beside the toilet. Jeffrey, will you hold my hair? I'm about to throw up. I was like, 
what just happened? I wanted, honest to God, I wanted to take her head and I wanted to put it back in the toilet. I just wanted to show her. And so I did, I was accused a couple of weeks ago of never telling the end of my stories. So I just want you to know I didn't do it. I didn't put her head in the toilet. I still hold her hair back to this day. But like that, that night, that moment, like I can, even thinking back on it right now, I can remember so much about what was going on that, and the way I felt. See, that darkness in that night, that darkness out there in the middle of nowhere and with no lights on, that, that overwhelming darkness just was all-consuming in that moment. I mean, it was, it enveloped you, which is this weird thing, but it, it felt like I was surrounded by this darkness, this sense of fore, foreboding. Like, I didn't need a lot of light. A little bit of light would have changed everything. Just a little bit of light would have shown me that the door was open, I mean, that the door was closed, it was not wide open, and therefore there probably wasn't an intruder in there. Just a, a smidge of light would have revealed to me where the couch was, and I would not have hit it. Any amount of light would have brought so much more clarity and so much more peace to the situation. But because of that darkness, it felt like everything was crumbling in on top of me, and it felt overwhelming, and it was just, just this sense of foreboding. Light in darkness is a powerful thing. It's why we give kids, whenever they're scared at night, we give kids a nightlight. There's nothing magical about a nightlight. A nightlight just provides light in the night. It's very self-explanatory. But the purpose of it is so that the child can see that there is no fictional monster in their room. A dinosaur is not coming out of their bed. They can see what's going on. That light is powerful. That's why when we go on a walk, if you're ever outside and you're going on a walk at night, you bring a light with you so that you can see if there's anything that you might stumble or you might hit your foot on. We drive at night with our headlights. Why? Because that way we can see everything around us. I mean, there is not a person in here who would say that light is, is immaterial in our world. We would all agree that physical light is important for us to live our lives. We must have it. And that's not even talking about the sun and all the sun does. But we're not going to get into that because I didn't want to research it this week. But we know the sun does things, important things, and helps things grow, and therefore we're alive. Physical light is really, really powerful. We know, we know the power and importance of physical light in our lives. But if we are not careful, we can be relatively ignorant about the power and importance of spiritual light. So I'm going to go back so everyone gets their notes. If we're not careful, we can be relatively ignorant about the power and importance of spiritual light. I'm not sure if you've looked around the world recently but it feels pretty dark. And it's felt like that for a while. And here's the, the fun rah-rah church thing this morning. It's actually gonna continue to feel that way until Jesus returns. So until that moment that he comes in riding that horse, tattoos on his legs, ready to set up his kingdom on this earth, it's going to feel relatively dark and overwhelming. And that, that's honestly what the world feels like right now. It, it is the world that we live in. It's the world that the people around us live in. Psalm 82 talks about it like this. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Psalm 82 describes 
pretty clearly what it feels like is happening in the world right now. That we're walking in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are shaking. I mean, that is, it feels like, think about the world, politics. It feels like it's shaking. Last week, two weeks ago, we had 50 people, 50 people die in a semi-truck because somebody left them beside the road and they smothered in this semi-truck. We've lost the value of human life. I mean, the world is shaking. The economy, it feels a little bit like it's shaking. There are wars. There's wars in Ukraine. We're still a part of things. People are struggling to pay their bills. In Abilene, this year, just a, we're in July, we are already at our peak traffic fatalities in a given year. And this is July. I mean, it feels like the earth is shaking. It feels dark feels foreboding. It feels a little overwhelming. And it's not just the coast. We, we, hillbillies in Abilene, we like to look and go, well, all the bad stuff happens in Washington and Seattle, New York. Those are the bad, Vegas, like these are the bad places. Here it doesn't feel, it's not so dark. It feels fine. Our stuff is fine. And here's the deal. We are not immune to this darkness that is all over the world right now. There is a collective darkness that exists, that 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 we see, but there's also an individual one. It's not a solely corporate thing. The people around us feel this kind of foreboding, overwhelmed worry, stress, this darkness that exists in many of our neighbors. If you remember back to week one, we talked about the definition of a neighbor wasn't just the people that live next to you. It's the people you do life with, the people in your book club, the people you go golfing with, coworkers. Those are your neighbors. And this cloud of darkness exists in so many of them. It exists in our world. Many of them are just like I was, stumbling around in the dark, trying to find where there is clarity, where there is peace, what is going on. Here's what is beautiful, though. You and I can do something about this. We don't have to let our neighbors and the world around us stay in darkness. We can do something. Okay. We can do something. This world that I just talked about being so dark and so overwhelming and so gloomy, which we can see, we see the news, we see social media, we see everything going on. It feels like this enveloping darkness is all over our nation, all over our world. And here's the beauty of you and I and what God calls us to. We are not powerless, we can do something. So I wanna show you. So if you will, grab a Bible. We're gonna be in Matthew 5, verse 14. If you grab one of our Bibles, which there's one around you, it's on page 810. So Matthew 5 is this important, it's this five through seven is, is maybe the most important sermon that Jesus ever gives. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus like rapid fire hits all these different topics in those three chapters. And if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, you need to. It's a powerful, powerful part of scripture. But in Matthew 5, 14, it says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on its stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, hey, you are the light of the world. You 
Often when we read scripture, we read it as if it is for someone else. When Jesus is telling this sermon, he's not just speaking to one individual person. He's not picking out the most attractive person, the person with the most giftings, the person with the most charisma, the person who is called to quote unquote ministry. He's looking collectively at a group of people and he says, all right, you are the light of the world. You are. And for some of us, those who maybe deal with pride a little more, we're like, yeah, I am, Jesus. What's up? Get a little bit of a a strut, puff our chests out a little bit. I am the light of the world. But we didn't just get this opportunity. It wasn't just something that we were born with. We were not innately born glowing to illuminate light everywhere that we go. This light that Jesus says that we have is not something that is ignited by us individually. We only have this light because of Jesus. In John 8, Jesus says it like this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here Jesus says, it's it's me. I am the light of the world. I am truth. It is me that is going to bring light into all these dark areas. On our own, on our own strength, on our own power, on our own ability, we are unable to make any significant impact into the darkness of our world. You can see little times of it. You can see little pockets of, you know, we brought a little bit of joy, we brought a little bit of light. We could do that on our own, but truly breathing life into a spiritually desolate place is not something that we, under our own strength and power, can do. So Jesus says, hey, listen, it's me. <laughs> It's it's me that is bringing the light into the world. It's me that came to illuminate the darkness. But whoever follows me doesn't walk in darkness anymore. Those who follow Jesus are removed from darkness and possess the light of life. That's what Jesus said in John 8. He said that those who follow him, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Those of us who've said yes to Jesus, something shifted in you in that moment. It wasn't just an exchange of where you were headed towards eternal separation from God and now you have heaven. It was pulling you from a life of cloudy darkness and setting you into the light of life that is only found through the person of Jesus. Now that you've said yes to Jesus and you possess the light of life, Jesus goes, how how crazy would it be? Going back to Matthew 5, how, how crazy would it be for you to light a lamp and then immediately cover it up? Like here is this thing, it has a purpose. This lamp has obviously has a responsibility. Its purpose is you light it and then it provides light. How crazy would it be for you to light the lamp and then immediately cover it up and remove it from its purpose? See, what Jesus is saying is Matthew, in Matthew 5 is that we have an opportunity, but even more than that, we have a command and we have a purpose to fulfill in the world. We did not receive this light for ourselves. Think about how crazy that sounds. Think about you individually, no one else right now. What you received in Jesus. Yes, you received heaven for eternity. You also received joy in times where there should be mourning. Peace in times where there is chaos. Hope in hopeless situations. A mender of the broken heart. I mean, we received so much in Jesus. How insane 
would it be for us to receive that and hoard it to ourselves? How selfish does that even sound that we would take this light that we've received and keep it just to us? And what Jesus is saying in using the analogy of the lamp is if we do that, we're missing out on the purpose that we have here on this earth. Going back to one of the first scriptures we use in this series in Matthew 22. And he said to him, this is Jesus' conversation with the lawyer. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus says everything about your life, everything about your world, everything about everything hinges on you loving God with all that you are, receiving the light of life that Jesus talked about in John 8, and loving your neighbor as yourself, giving this light into places that there is darkness. Everything about everything hinges on these two things. Jesus says how crazy would it be for us to have this and keep it. We would be missing out on our purpose. But if you're like me at all, we can begin to feel a little overwhelmed. Like I, I'm just me. Just little old me, little old Abilene, Texas, working my eight to five job, doing my normal life with my mortgage and my family and my kids. I, I, can't, I can't do much about school shootings. I can't, I can't make an impact in the war in Ukraine. I can't fix the economy. I can't, I'm just me. I can't, I can't do anything to care for those around me that are dealing with cancer. I can't, I can't fix that. I'm just, just me. And the greatest lie the enemy would love for you to believe is that you are just you. Which, here's the crazy part. You are just you. But the moment you say yes to Jesus, you're not just you. You're just you that is reflecting the brightness of a savior that came to this world and paid a price that, no one, that only he could pay and took on the sins of the world so that everyone could have life and life abundant. That is just you. And so instead of feeling overwhelmed at the sheer darkness everywhere that we might ever go, we just start with our neighbors. Let's make it simple. Just start with the people close to us, those people we're already doing life with. And then we just have to trust. We just have to trust that God is in charge of the big things. You just have to trust that other people are also going to catch hold of this desire to love their neighbors. We just have to trust that the church is going to be the church and remember that we have a role to play. We receive the light of life by loving God with all that we are and we illuminate the world around us by loving our neighbor as ourself. And we're, we're told the way that we do this, back, going back to Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says it like this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And Jesus says, it's actions, it's our deeds. Jesus says that loving the people around us with our actions is what illuminates a dark world. And when that happens, people are pointed to the Father. It isn't how spiritual we can be, the, the, the post we make on social media or the, the picture we take with our Bible and our coffee cup. It's, it's not any of that. It's not anything that we might be able to say. It is what we do. It's time for the church to put its money where its mouth is. We gotta get to work. 
Jesus says it is the good deeds that will point people to the Father. And you know what? That should encourage us. Because if Jesus had just said, you are the light of the world, we would have been going, well, what does that mean? How do I do it? And it'd be this nebulous command. And Jesus doesn't leave it in the nebulous state. What he goes is, all right, you're the light of the world. And the way you go and illuminate a dark world is you do actions, you do things, you do something. And for this last season at Beltway, we've been talking about this idea of bless. And maybe you're like, bless again. This is the third week in a row. Listen, you're gonna hear about it a lot. You know why? Because it is vitally important for us to catch hold of this idea of going into our community. We cannot be a place that solely expects the lost people to come here. How unfair is that? We've gotta be a church that is mobilized to go out into our community and show people the light of Jesus. So you're gonna hear us talk a lot about bless. This is it. B, begin with prayer. You know what that is? It's an action. It's something that we can do. It's going to ask the Father to move, to ask the Holy Spirit to intercede in people's lives. And and here's the deal. You're only going to be able to pray generic prayers so long. God bless this person. God move in this person. At some point, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to talk to them. You have to have a conversation. Ask them about their life. Ask them about their world, about their marriage, about their job. You're going to have to talk to them so that you can know even what to do and how to pray. See, prayer is an action. Then L, listen with care. Listen to them. Listening communicates so much value. And can we just be honest? We're terrible at it. We're just bad at listening. I was so convicted of this last Sunday, I think. Today's the 10th, right? Yeah, last Sunday. I was walking into the grocery store, and I was on the phone. So I thought, I'm just going to throw my headphones in. It's no big deal. I just got a couple of things to get. So I see the first person I know in the parking lot, which I grew up a pastor's kid, and I've been on staff for 15 years now. I feel like I know everyone in the world. So I see the first person I know in the parking lot, but I'm on the phone, so I just wave, right? Do the pastor wave. Hey, it's good to see you. Bless you. And so... <laughs> is that too real? Now you know that I do that. So when I do that to you, you're going to be like, oh, I get it. And so I, so honesty isn't always great. Uh, and so I got, into the, I got into the grocery store. And this is not an exaggeration. I, I, the person who was on the phone with me could attest to this. Within 60 seconds, I saw five different people that I knew. 60 seconds. Finally, and then the last person I see is somebody that actually I hadn't thought about in years and I'd had a conversation about them the night before. So finally I was like, Lord, I will hang up the phone. So I hung up the phone and I just sat and talked to them. Asked how their family was, how their kids are, tell them what's going on in your world. Listening, stopping to listen communicates value. Passively listening while you're doing something else or while your attention is somewhere else does nothing. When you truly listen to somebody, it communicates value. It is an action that we can take to bless our neighbors. E is eat, and we all like to eat. And the deal is, is that requires intentionality. Eating a meal with somebody, taking them a cup of coffee, it requires like a purposeful thought about this person, and people receive that really well because we like being thought about. So go buy them a Starbucks drink and then bring it to them and then just talk to them. Bring them a sonic drink. There's something miraculous about a sonic drink. Like, I don't know what they put in that ice, but it's a miracle worker. People just love it. 
But when we eat with somebody, we're stopping to like be intentional with them about what's going on in their world and then serve them. I guarantee you, if you think about the people around you, you can come up with some ways to serve them. Little, little things that might mean a lot to their heart. If there are little things about, you know, your neighbors, maybe you see their plants are a little wilty because it's a thousand degrees right now. Maybe you just water them a little bit. Put some flowers on their porch. Maybe you know your coworker's been going through some stuff and so you just find an opportunity to help lift the burden off of them. There's lots of ways that you can serve your neighbors and guess what serving people is? It is an action. And then you get to share your story. That is how it works. When you've prayed for somebody and you've listened to them and you've had meals with them and you've served them, they're way more likely to sit and listen to you tell them, this is who I was before Jesus and this is who I am now. This is what God has done in me. And you know why they're way more willing to do that? Because they've received the good deeds and you are pointing them to the Father. That is how it works. Whenever we choose to bless our neighbors, we will see light begin to illuminate the darkness. Now, I told you I knew how I wanted this whole series to end. I knew that I wanted to land this plane right here like this because I want us to think collectively. I told you earlier, Jesus is saying you think individually, but right now I want us to think collectively. I want us to think about the, the bigness of the church, of if even just our church, like how many people are around here and a part of online. I want us to think about what it would look like if we all caught hold of this. So we spent three weeks talking about the importance of loving our neighbor. Imagine what would happen just in our city if we caught hold of going into our community, into our region, into the big country and blessing them. So we're gonna do something together. So I want everyone to get out your phones. I know that's the opposite of what you do in church. I'm not gonna make you call anyone. Those of you who are texting, I just made it so easy for you. It's already in your hand. So everyone get out your phones, just hold it. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to turn it on right now. I want you to just hold your phone in your hand. If you didn't bring your phone to church, good for you. Because you see, something incredible happens whenever light and darkness collide. All of a sudden, don't turn them on yet, but I can see all your faces so beautifully. All of a sudden, it feels really weird in here. Right? I, don't, I don't like it. I can't see the end of the stage and I'm still moving up here. That's bad. We can't see what's going on. Feels a, a little overwhelming. Like dark in this room with, with this many seats, it feels like it's pressing in on us. Psalms 82 says, because they're walking in darkness, that the foundations of the earth are shaking. This is the life of so many of the people close to us. Think about that. Think about the reality of walking through your life like this. Every single day waking up to this. Not a physical darkness, but something deeper. Something that feels like it engulfs you even more. Like this feels weighty. And that is 
what happens in our world. That is what we're experiencing. Even, even if you're online, you, you are experiencing that. But something incredible happens if we just turn on this lamp right here. Right? All of a sudden, it's not like it was, but, but all of a sudden, you can see me a little bit. You can see my bald head if I turn back around. You can see what's going on. It isn't like it was. It's not as peaceful. This, this little amount of light is, is impactful, but, but it's just my light. Like this light right here is just me, and, and it illuminates a little bit around me. But, it, but in its big grand scheme of this room, it, it's pretty insignificant. So here's what we're going to do. If you are to my left and you're sitting on the floor, not the risers, just the floor, I want you to turn your phone flashlight on or your phone on and hold it up. And if you're to my right and you're in the risers, not the floor, I want you to turn your phone light on and hold it up. Look at how difference, difference, look at how different it is just with half the room. We can see so much more. I can actually start to see faces. Like we can see more of what is going on. There's clarity. There's more peace. It's not as overwhelming. It's not as all-consuming. All right, now, everyone else, turn your lights on. Everyone in the room, turn your lights on. This, this room, which was completely dark before, and I, I am in this room a lot. I do not like this room dark. It feels a lot. Feels overwhelming. And now, just, just these, all of us turning our lights on, provide so much clarity. You can see what's going on. Because here's the truth darkness is always defeated by light. Light has all the power over darkness. You can never find a situation that you insert light into a dark place and light is overcome by the darkness. And this, the collective thing of us shining our light into the darkness is what I so desperately want us to catch. I want us to catch the power individually of us catching hold of loving our neighbors and then going out into our world and doing this illuminating the darkness. You can do that. All right, you can turn your phones off and turn the lights back on. It's, it's not by your own power. It's not by your own strength. You didn't power your phone. It is because Jesus says whenever we say yes to him, we are removed from darkness into the light of life. And we can carry that light into our dark and desperate world. So here's how we're going to end today. In your park news, there's three blanks left. I have no answer for those blanks, which I know stresses some of you out. You have the answer. My prayer for you this week has been that God, over these last three weeks, has been showing you people who you can bless. So now we're gonna do the hard work of actually writing it down. So I'm gonna give you like 30, 45 seconds. If you didn't get a park news, you have your phone out. I just saw it. You can type their names in there, but we need to take an action because then it begins to feel real. So I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. I'm gonna stop talking. And I want you to write down the names of three people that you can bless this week.
All right. Now to remove one of the primary excuses that we use in loving our neighbors and in being a blessing, as you leave the worship centers today, whatever exit you leave, there's gonna be somebody, they have a basket, they have envelopes in the basket. I want you to grab one of those envelopes. Every person gets an envelope, not one per family, every person. And there's an amount of cash in there. It's not a significant amount of cash. It's enough to buy them a lunch, maybe get them a cup of coffee, buy some flowers for their porch. And I want you to take that envelope and I want you to use it to bless your neighbor. And it feels backwards. I know usually like people up here are going, hey, give us money, which you don't ever hear at Beltway. But that is the mantra of the church is often asking for money and it feels weird to take money from the church. We believe in this that much. Because if you think about the amount of people between this campus and our North Campus that are gonna take an envelope today, it is a significant amount of money that we will give away today. My hope is that you take that and it just burns a hole in your pocket. Like you just have to do something with it. Parents, this is a tremendous opportunity for you to talk to your kids about this stuff. You can talk to them about why you got an envelope. You talk to them about what you wanna do with it. See, when we choose to let our actions point people to the Father, we become what Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We illuminate a world that is dark and that is desperate for light. And maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, I am in the darkness now. I, I've never said yes to Jesus. Whatever you're saying about Jesus bringing light into dark places, I've never experienced that. I'm still stuck in darkness. If that's you, I, want you, I just wanna tell you this. Jesus would love to illuminate your world. He came, died on the cross, took on the sins of the world for you because he loved you that much and he would love love to provide clarity to your world peace hope salvation all that comes with him saying yes to him so if that's you after service we're going to have prayer partners up here we would love to pray for you we'd love to just talk to you about what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus and church we gotta get to work. We got a dark, desperate world and we carry the antidote. Not because of anything we've done, but because of the beauty of our savior. And we carry the light of life. What an opportunity that we have to go into this place and point people to the Father. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the ways that you're moving. God, would we feel a weight, but also an excitement about all that we can do, all that you've called us to do. And I pray blessing on our church, blessing on these people and a boldness to go and be a blessing to their neighbors. It's in your name we pray, amen.